Welcome everyone to a new episode of the Transcript Podcast. You've got me, Scott Krisloff. I'm editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, our lead author. We sent out a new issue of the newsletter a couple of days ago. We we're late on the podcast week, but never fear, we're still here. The biggest things of, of this week's newsletter were uh, continuing to watch the situation in the Ukraine unfold. Obviously, around the world, everyone is watching this and everyone is extremely saddened by the humanitarian crisis that's going on there and just stunned that we could be in this sort of war in the 21st century seems unfathomable to me personally. It's having significant economic effects, though, that we're seeing as well in the form of higher inflation around the world. And I think that this is bringing us closer to just this inflationary psychology that we're seeing break out. And we saw three different quotes from three different sources, all saying that inflation is now a structural problem, which if I think back to last year when the Fed was talking about inflation being transitory, everyone was saying that if an inflationary psychology took hold, the Fed would move quickly. And so I think we're starting to see that. I think we actually are starting to see people look at have a uh, structurally higher view of long-term inflation. And that means a, a potential larger change for the Fed. So any thoughts on that, Eric? My, the key note is, of course, the change in terms of the wordings around inflation. So last year we talked about transitory, transitory being banned as a word, and now like we're into now that phase of uh, the economic cycle where we are being told that uh, it's actually a structural problem. Uh, I was curious about the Waste Management CEO said that uh, I think he, his statement struck me as well. So it's like, we have to increase prices by 20%. But customers know that wherever they go, they will get everyone else's increase by 20%. So this means that they have no choice but to take up that inflation. They have, they have to take up the, the prices of reason. Uh, sadly, uh, consumers are also feeling the inflation. They are noticing it. I mean, you can't go anywhere and not notice like price increases. Gas prices are skyrocketing over here also. Food prices are rising very, very fast. I mean, especially spend is kind of becoming under pressure. So I think that's what I'm noticing from where I am. So it's, it's a little worrying, to be honest. I never really lived through an inflationary cycle. And, and most of us haven't, at, the, at least this younger generation. So this is our first time experiencing very high inflation. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know. What's your experience? What's your experience in the ground in the U.S. yourself? Yeah, I mean, you're seeing gasoline prices rising and it's definitely noteworthy. I think, again, you've had very strong consumers for the last couple of years driven by stimulus. As we've exited the pandemic, those things aren't there anymore. And so it, you know, the increase in prices to those consumers are particularly acute. I think one, I guess silver lining, if you would call it a silver lining, is that I expect that labor shortages will probably start to improve because people are seeing their, you know, savings get eroded by inflation. They're going to need to go back to work. And so I think that especially in the high labor areas of the economy, you may see signs that the labor markets are healing. So that is one potential silver lining here. Yeah. Yeah. A little worrying though, is that there's also Omicron crisis in Asia currently. So in addition to the issues that you're having in the, in, in Ukraine and Russia, I talked to a couple of friends and actually there's a there's a surge in Omicron cases in Hong Kong. They're having lockdowns in Hong Kong and presently. So not so sure. I mean, I don't think we needed war on top of a pandemic now, but it's, it's, it's unfathomable that we're living through the such times. Geopolitics now in, in, in 
it's common parlance now, like everybody's talking about it and not Russia, Ukraine, China, Europe, US, Africa, where they, what the status of play in terms of where they stand in terms of the various countries. So it's frightening times at the same time, I would say. Yeah, it's interesting what you brought up about Asia and the Omicron surge there is obviously another layer of impact to the supply chain where a lot of inflation has been stemming from. This plus war, you know, we've had two years of pretty heavy supply chain shocks. It really makes you think that the supply chain is a little more fragile than we had thought about in the decade before the last two years. And it's something, again, this is a theme we've picked up in previous weeks that it seems that there's likely to be some rethinking of the way that supply chains are structured and potentially more of a tilt towards economic nationalism or supply chain nationalism. So, And heavy investments, of course, in defense systems. I think I saw Germany has kind of scaled it. They, they intend on building up now their arsenal in terms of arms. So a lot of companies have gotten into this complacent pace. I guess going forward, this is going to take a, a lot more. It's, it's going to be more serious in this regard. But something else that we noticed beyond like war and uh, Europe was about retail corps coming back down. I think it's, uh, this is specifically meta platforms that noted this. Uh, so I, I listened, I, I looked at the, the earnings note, uh, the conference uh, call where the meta platform CEFO was, and he noted as they had noticed that retail comps are slowing down. That means ad spend is also going down. So I'm not so sure like an ad spend in Europe itself is also softening going forward. It's quite significant uh, for Facebook, I would say. Yeah, I think the quote about ad spending declining in Europe is really important because it helps to remind that in addition to all of the geopolitical things that are going on in Europe and the surge in energy prices, that's an indicator to me that just like a general recession is coming to Europe as a result of these things. So advertising spend would usually be a leading indicator into a recession that people are pulling back on something that's a more discretionary line item to budget. So any thoughts on that? I mean, are you seeing any signs of just general recession in Europe? I haven't really paid attention much to Europe, uh, but I would say that there's, an, there's been a significant impact in terms of energy prices. I could see, I, I, I read something like in, the, especially in Italy, gas prices are super high and the reliance, the reliance of course on Russia is impacting some of these countries very negatively. Like now that they've cut off supply from Russia in terms of oil and gas. So yeah, I think there's going to be a really significant hit to Europe going forward. Given the reliance that we have on some of this on Russia and Ukraine, I think there were a few big alarm bells to me in this this issue of the transcript this week, and the ones we already covered. The first one was just this inflationary psychology taking hold. The second one was that downtick in advertising spend in Europe, and the third one was J.P. Morgan's head of global markets talking about how markets are extremely treacherous and ease of counterparty risks are growing. When you have these really targeted dislocations, especially in products that are tied heavily to futures and options trading. You can often have over-leveraged players who are big, big customers of the financial services companies who end up causing big problems. When you have these like extreme volatility moves, um, you often end up finding out that somebody's in trouble. And JP Morgan's head of global markets is in better position than pretty much anybody to notice that and understand that. And he was talking about how their clients are under extreme stress. And so we've seen a little bit of a bounce in markets in the last couple of days as we're recording this, but like if things get 
move in an extreme negative direction, you know, by a few percent, you may start to see a lot more pressure. So something to keep in mind. I would say actually JP Morgan was, I think they're speaking from experience because this past, I don't know if you've noticed this past two weeks, there's been a surge in nickel prices. And because of that, JP Morgan was the counterparty to one of the guys who was shot at nickel. And because of that, they, they've had to, I think that the LSE, I think it's the CEO, the, the regulator who deals with, um, they closed the market for nickel because of the, sh the short position moving very badly against the player. And of course, being that JP Morgan is on the other side of this uh, trade, I think this part, they were speaking from experience that they are actually seeing counterparty risk increase significantly. So the guy was short around 150,000 tons of uh, nickel and 50,000 tons were actually uh, held by uh, JP Morgan. Mm. So quite significant to pay attention to. But I don't know, like in a recession, how should investors be thinking about? Like, it seems like we are headed into one significantly. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is really the rub because we're heading into a recession with pretty high inflation. And usually the way that the market reacts is it'll sell off into the fear of a recession. And then it will bottom once the Fed recognizes that we're in a recession and the Fed starts pumping money again or, you know, easing monetary conditions. So it usually starts to get worried as the Fed is raising interest rates because it knows that that is, you know, a precursor to recession coming. And so we're in that phase right now, but we're down, I think like 12%, 10, 12% on the S&P 500. And in terms of the economic backdrop relative to that, there's, we're not really progressed in that recessionary timeline. Like the Fed is still, the Fed still hasn't raised rates and is going to just do like a small increase in rates right now. We're still pumping money out in QE and we have 8% inflation. So the level of, you know, real monetary policy impact that needs to be taken in order to impact the inflationary environment. And all of these other cross currents that we've got, we could still be on track for a bigger recession here. I would say that we're recording this podcast before the Fed announces rates today. They may actually have raised, uh, raised rates by the time the podcast comes out. I would say so. So maybe yeah. one final thought before we go about Netflix. They're not planning to have an ad supported tier. So it's pretty interesting to see how that's playing out. But Walt Disney is doubling down. And I was talking to a friend, I was actually wondering how they would do the targeted ads on, on, on Disney Plus because they will only have data on the kind of movies I've watched. So I'm not so sure how, uh, how precise those ads are going to be for me to actually enjoy watching them or I may take a break during that and not to watch. I don't know, what, at what point in the movie will they be putting these ads in the first place? Or will they be like the ones who go to the movies and they just run them at the beginning of a movie or something like that? So pretty interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just going to be like linear TV. I think they'll splice them in throughout the time that you're watching. I think the quote that we pulled from Disney was really, really interesting because it gives a little bit more color on the way that Disney is thinking of the advertising inventory itself of the way that they're going to market and having customers purchase that advertising inventory. There's a growing marketplace for people to be direct into these apps that are hosted by very large media companies, Disney being an example of it. It's really, it's a great kind of like 
the experience of watching those apps where you're sitting on your couch watching a television it's just like the old linear tv days which were the most effective form of advertising but that's where you really had people's attention versus like if you're watching youtube you're usually at your computer your laptop you're like kind of on the screen maybe you're doing other things and stuff like that but this is going to create a venue for advertisers or recreate the venue for advertisers to be able to have kind of full attention of somebody who's who's watching a, a program and so that i think advertisers are probably going to be pretty excited about and because these companies are going to go direct to consumer there's more data it's much better than the linear tv experience for, for an advertiser you might be able to charge very premium prices here very interesting uh, i see a point there and definitely as disney itself says it was that there's an incredible demand from advertisers on this end and one thing I noticed in the conference call that they had was that they appreciate the granular data that having Disney Plus affords them from the consumer. So they know how much, uh, which movies you're watching, which one are trending, uh, which parts of the movies you like most, where you're posting at, so that they can actually uh, create. With that kind of feedback, which they couldn't get from movie theaters, now they can go back and make better movies for you in the future. So I think that's... Uh, it's something that I noticed Walt Disney is really, really appreciating that data is actually their new gold. And now imagine before when they had to go through Netflix to do this and they couldn't get that kind of granular data. So pretty interesting what is happening in this space going forward, I would say. So I think that would be a good place to cross out for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, see you again next week. And hopefully that uh, all of you are safe wherever you are on this planet. Thank you once again and see you next week again. Bye. Thank you.